0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And back for his regular visit is our Rockets expert, Frank, from Rockets Chop Shop. Go to subscribe to his Rockets Chop Shop YouTube channel and check that out. Frank, it's one in a row for the Rockets. Is one in a row a win streak? (laughs) (laughs) For
1: us, we will take one in a row. I mean, we were on 13 in a row. And I mean, when uh I, I don't know if it was Calvin Murphy or whoever said on the broadcast that it had been 41 days since we'd had a home victory, um that kind of just blew my mind, even though, you know, it's 13 games, but you forget that it's, you know, games played every other day, sometimes two to three days in between. So we're looking at over a month of just losing and for fans, for players, for coaches, for the guys that are calling the broadcast, I'm sure that this was a much, much, much needed victory um, to kind of get at least that little monkey off their back of not just going on this, another historic losing streak again. If, if we're used to pretty much on an annual basis here in Houston.
0: You and I have to talk about how the offense has changed up a little bit. And I want to do that in a second. Just a quick reminder to subscribe and comment on YouTube. It's the best way to support the show. If you want to just listen in your car while you exercise or however, you can just find us on your favorite podcast app. But Frank, the story since Kevin Porter has been out of the lineup is the increased usage and minutes for Shangoon, And I'll go back even further than since that period and his last nine games. So you can take it back nine games now. Shane Goon averaging 19 points, 10.7 boards, and six assists while shooting 63.7% from the field in 33 minutes. We've been begging for him to get over 29 (laughs) minutes a game. And in his last four, he's averaging 24 points, 12 boards, while shooting 72% in 37 minutes. Just to remind everybody, you and I suggested months ago that Shane Goon is their best player right now, is the debate over?
1: <laughs> um, I think if, if if there's still a debate about the best player, but as far as the most important player at this point, it's not really debatable because he's only the only person on the team that impacts um, the play of pretty much everybody else. Um, we've seen Jalen have great games that, uh, don't really do, doesn't really do anything for anybody else on the team because he's a scorer. Um, we've seen Kevin Porter Jr. have great games, um, even games where he assists and 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 scores a lot of points. That doesn't really impact the team's overall performance. But Alpern is the one one player on the team that plays a brand of basketball that you could see scale up to a winning uh, a winning program in the future. And to me, that makes him the most important piece on the team because. The skill set he provides um, on both ends on the court. And one thing I was listening to Zach Lowe and he pointed out, um, I think it was somebody from Oklahoma City on his last or two podcasts he had to go um, t- uh, kind of criticizing Alprin's defense. And he made a great point, And this is a point that I've seen uh, as late as last year is that if you watch the games live, if you're ever in person, you can hear Alperin on defense making all the calls uh, for the guys, which tells you, and so what Zach pointed out, was that he understands what the offense is trying to do. And I don't think that's um, really emphasized enough in in his development in that he has the eye to see what the other team's offense is trying to do, and he's still just a young guy. You could essentially say this is his first year starting which really blows my mind that people want to cap his defensive um, ability at what they see now. When you have those guys with that level of IQ that are calling out plays before they're even ran or telling if you have you really watch the games, watch Alper when he's in that drop. as that drop big, and he's making the calls for everybody. He's telling guys where to go. When you have that in a 20-year-old, um, to me, it's only a matter of time where he gets to the point where he can anticipate where he, exactly he needs to be on multiple types of uh, offensive looks from the other team uh, in order to be able to cut them off or even blow up their actions. So, um, you know, it's honestly, this is a breath of fresh air to see. It gives us as a fan base something tangible to be happy about um, because the Jalen, you know, I love Jalen green. um, And obviously he's a talented player, probably the most talented player on the team. Um, But the scoring 40 points, you know, two times a month, um, is not something we can say is a tangible thing that we can see going forward. Um, what is tangible is what him and P do in a two-man action. That I can get excited about. I can get excited about, you know, running certain plays for certain guys on the teams. Or even when we um, insert better talent, I can imagine what it would look like uh, for them to be able to play through Alperin uh, in the offense and the way they're looking right now. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely... A, a little ray of light in this dark, dark, dark era of Rockets basketball right now.
0: Jalen Green's had a couple of 40-point performances recently. Do you feel like this is because of what Shangun is doing, or is Jalen just getting hot, which we haven't seen in a few months? This is – um
1: there's a stretch. The stretch where he scored – uh 30 or more points or five games or whatever it was towards the end of the season. At that point, they really let him play a lot more on ball. And I think that it's a combination of two things with him is definitely him getting his rhythm um, and getting his confidence. He's a rhythm scorer. He's a guy that needs to see a couple go in. And the best way for him to do that is to um, when he's coming off of screens and, and dribble handoffs with Alperin. And this was the same thing last year. And I think the combination of him getting so many reps at it, you can see them. There's uh, there's clips from the game of him and Alperin talking on the sidelines, um, you know, being very demonstrative about what they're trying to say and maybe making adjustments with each other about what they want to see. And, you know, once again, um, you know, I made my video uh, about the game against the second game against the Timberwolves. Not to, you know, people, it does beg some questions about the fit with KPJ. And to me, it's not really a matter of fit as far as him as an NBA player. It's a matter of fit is what the Rockets are, being, are asking these guys to play like currently. And all these things that we're seeing, these experiments, um, these conversations, Jalen and Alpi are figuring out on the court together, off the court together, these adjustments they're making, these things, these data points they're picking up in their game. These are things we could have learned last year. And that's always been my gripe with the team is that you've put so much stock into this backcourt that you have literally uh, hamstrung yourself on other options or other, um, other outcomes with the team. If you had maybe embraced playing through what Alper was flashing literally last year, if you leaned into that a bit harder, how much further along would Jalen and Alperin be in their two-man combo? And then leading into a next season where you want to be competitive. How much further along would the team be, the players that play off ball, how much better would that be for Jabari Smith, who's a dependent player, where he's in an offense, where he's getting some great looks in the flow of the offense instead of trying to create for himself or getting late shots, uh, late kickouts on on bailout isos. So it's it's all kind of wrapped together in some of the, to me, um, the most incredibly damning thing that the Rockets have done throughout, to me, this past two and a half years. Is really failed to accomplish multiple tasks at the same time, which is being tanking, you know, whatever you want to call it, and also putting out a, a a system that maximizes all their players simultaneously instead of focusing on on the development of two guys at the expense of other players.
0: Yeah, and what I hear from you, and what I've heard from Jackson Gatlin with Locked On Rockets and Ben Dubose, is that. The frustrating thing with what the Rockets have done over the last couple of years is you've had a chance for basically two years to experiment with the guys that you have out there and try different things. And the Rockets just continue to do the same thing most of that time, most of the year and a half until recently, There, there isn't a whole lot of experimenting. You know, it's just that they're, they're doing the same thing over and over again. And th- this is the perfect time to experiment with these guys and see what they do best.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. And, you know, as saying all I just said is not too late for them. They have thirty-something games left. Um, I need to see what does uh, what Kevin Porter looks like as a wing. Uh, I need to see what he looks like playing a less, um, re- a reduced role in the offense. Because what you want at this point in the season is to get data points that are going to help you make easier decisions. Because you have a lot of hard decisions coming up as a, as a Rockets franchise. You have the cap space that you're going to have to spend and make decisions. on who do you want to give your money to. You have a lot of these guys that are um, uh, rookie first-round picks that we've drafted, seven of them so far. You po- you're possibly adding two more. Um, you know, Defining what the roles of our players long-term, or even in the short long-term, um, really helps you make decisions on whether you do need to draft another guy or who t- what type of uh, free agent or, or trade do we need to make to improve the team. Um, because if they are so dead set on the Kevin Porter things, like once again, you're limiting your outcomes um, in that. Because then the team that you're going to build going forward is going to be determined by that. And I just feel like that's such a a myopic way to look at this. All the talent that you have on the roster, we still don't know who a lot of these guys are. I don't know what you know. For example, a guy like Jabari, you know, he's still just the afterthought to me in the offense because we don't have that point guard. Um, that's able to use him to the fullness of his abilities. Um, We still don't know about guys like Ty Ty that are later on in the draft that have been bouncing around between the G League and the Rockets bench um, because they're not willing to move on from an Gordon start. So the rest of this season, ideally, because they're running out of runway to be a tanking team, to be the worst team in the league, experiment. All the lineups that you want to see, all the – different uh variations of teams that you possibly could be lean into the leaning lean into Jalen hell even give Jabari a, a a second unit where he's a focal point this is the time to do it um this is the time they could have made a lot of different things and one of the things that I'm really disappointed in I, I kind of want to hear your thought on this is how passive the Rockets have been in uh in in the free agency and trade market for a team that's a tanking team Um as you were talking about taking swings with the ro- with the roster construction and, and playing time, they could have taken swings on players. Um, throughout these past two and a half years, I feel like there are a lot of players that have been move, moved around in the NBA that we could have taken flyers on. And it seems like they're just uh, okay with just staying with the guys we have, even though we're not playing them. But, you know, you think about guys like Cam Reddish and uh, the Bulbos of the world, these young guys that have potentially high upside. To me, if you're a bad team, Hey, with nothing to lose, those are the times you bring in those type of talents and see if they can value, become value in the future. And I just feel like it makes no sense for us to keep all these picks that we've um, we drafted, Um, have all these uh, fringe NBA players and not play them. And then we're going to get to a point where we're basically just going to move on from them. So it's just to me, just overall
0: asset mismanagement. It's funny you should say that because I've had the same issue with the Texans because over the last couple of years, they went after some washed up guys, not washed up, but guys that had just, you know, had been mediocre and didn't show a whole lot of upside on other teams. They went after those kind of veterans. And you could say, well, maybe they needed a new lease on life. But with the Texans, you just wanted them to take some swings at some free agents and guys that, you know, hadn't been given their chance. Some young guys that were undrafted or, you know, you might find that Arian Foster like you did before or somebody of that ilk. And, you know, you just never know what you could find out there that nobody's using, whether it's on a, you know, somebody's using that on a backup roster or whatever. And I I feel like the Rockets got married to their own guys, the guys in their own G League, as opposed to going out and maybe searching for and bringing in some other guys from the G League. Now, uh, Anthony Lamb is interesting because, He was somebody that they gave multiple chances to. And you and I had a conversation offline at one point going, what in the world? Anthony Lamb is already becoming a big deal in Golden State. So maybe they've taken good chances in the guys that they brought in, they just didn't know what to do with. But Anthony Lamb, I think also uh, wasn't as in shape as he was or has been with Golden State this year either. So He's lost some weight and he looks like a different guy just physically.
1: I mean, it lends to two things, and, and we saw the same phenomena with uh, Christian Wood. Lack of structure and accountability really goes a long way in evaluating talent. And I'm I'm glad you pointed out uh, that aspect because why didn't we demand Anthony Lamb lose weight? And why didn't we um, demand that? And why don't we have the structures to make guys that aren't, you know, all world talents play well, um, to a certain extent? And you can the 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 thing that also makes you ask is then how can we clearly evaluate the guys that we have on the roster right now if if the structure they're in doesn't really bring out the best in them on a consistent basis because it's not demanding the best you see Christian Wood in Dallas um hell when we played him he had uh, you would have thought it was Dwight Howard out there um the way he was trying to play defense and the thing with guys um I've never criticized a player for. Being a bad defender, I hate when players don't try. Um, effort goes a long way. Steph Curry is the perfect example of that. Steph Curry just physically is not a great defender, but I mean, this dude is like Mr. Try Hard. He he goes hard all the time. Trying to play defense, and within the context of a team defense, trying hard makes the biggest difference in the world. Um, so Christian Wood tries hard in Dallas, even though he he still gets beat, uh, but he's trying. In Houston, he didn't care. Just like we just saw Jalen go through a 15 game stretch of not caring about playing defense. To know not a blip from the coach. Um, we see Shangoon gets criticized if he has a bad turnover, or you know he has a stretch here where he gets beat, he gets benched. Um, but we don't see that same accountability to Jalen or Kevin Porter or some of the other guys on the team. So um, once again, questions of the talent on the roster, how does it fit going forward? Do they have the um, the cojones to be able to tell a KPJ that, hey, brother, we see what we like right now. We're going to try this. We want you to do X, Y, and Z. We want you to play. We're going to put you in Eric's role, and you're going to be off ball. So here you're going to be mostly in the corners. Um, be ready to shoot if, you know, we'll try to get you your touches on the second unit as far as with the point guard, is he going to be okay with that? And if he's not okay with that, the rock is ready to deal with the consequences from that. You know, that takes leadership and that takes some conviction about what you're trying to do. I'm not sure if, if we're going to see that uh, it's going to be very telling for me if, cause you know, I know you've seen the clip today of uh, um, Sarge asking Stephen Silas about uh, playing through P and he said, possibly, with the most angriest look on his face. Like, how dare you ask me this question? Um, but I, I, it'll be telling for me when we go, when Kevin Porter comes back, what type of, what the balance is on offense. If if it's more of the same, like of heavy ISO, him slowing down the pace and kind of determining everything, um, it really tells me pretty much that, honestly, I may not have any hope for this, this the front office and, and the coaching staff at all. Um, if they can pull this little thing off where they can balance out what we're seeing when Alpi's playing, what is done for the offense, for Jalen, for some of the other players and, and have Kevin Porter be acceptable to that. They, I may have a little hope in them being able to make some harder decisions.
0: There's account- accountability for the Rockets if you're Shane Goon or if you're Josh Christopher, but there's no accountability. If you're Dacian Nix or Jalen Green or Kevin Porter or on and on and on, and we've seen it over and over again. I want to ask you because, uh, this is interesting. If Shane Goon is their best player, or you said most important player, um, I want you to look into your crystal ball one year from now. There's a likely new coach, we hope, and a couple new faces on the team, but of the young guys on the current roster. So we'll exclude the new lottery pick, whoever that is. Rank your top five Rockets players in order. The six likely candidates, of course, Jalen, Jabari, Shane Goon, KPJ, Kenyon, and Tari. Okay, so I'm going to rank them based on where what impact I think they're going to have on
1: winning. Um, I think number one is going to be Jalen Green. Um, to me, shang stirs the drink, but Jalen is the drink. Um, if the Rockets are going to do anything as far as be able to take that next level, he has to hit as uh, one of those primary guys. And um, the comp I always use for um, the relationship between Shangun and the entire roster and Jalen in particular is Draymond on the on the Warriors and Steph. Uh, Draymond, uh, you know his the the year they won the championship. Um, that was the year that Steve Kerr came into that organization. The year prior with Mark Jackson, they were a decent team, playoff team, a first round exit uh Draymond only touched the ball uh he had 16 touches per game Steve Kerr came and saw what he saw said this guy's a talented post I'm gonna run everything through him and Draymond led their team in front court touches the the next probably seven years um peaking at 40 something in the front court alone which is just a crazy high number and every the more Draymond touched the ball the more uh Curry improved and in his MVP season where he won the unanimous unanimous MVP um he draymond averaged nine more touches than steph while steph was averaging 30 points on the uh uh, you know the 40 50 uh, 90 uh club that he started um being one of the most efficient players in nba i say all that to say when ranking these players you still need steph is still golden states guy but draymond is probably the most important player there if there's no draymond there's no dynasty Shangun is going to be the Draymond role. He's going to be my most important, but Jalen is going to be my number one because I think he is the one that brings it all together. You know, if Draymond was out there with TyTy Ty Washington, I don't think you win any championships. So uh, we have Jalen number one. I think Shangun is number two. Um, I think he also adds an element of on offense that he could also be a scorer. And we've seen, as you pointed out, his averages um, throughout these past few games. I mean, the dude's a walking twenty ten. On, on any type of 30-minute – if he gets 30 minutes a game, even on a bad night, like, the performance he had against Minnesota was underwhelming, and he still had 21-7-7. Seven and seven. It wasn't like he was just doing anything spectacular. He was 8-for-12, eight, eight uh, 7 assists, uh, 7 rebounds, uh, a lot of turnovers, um, but a lot of them were dumb traveling calls. But, yeah, so that's his baseline. His baseline is like 20-10. and 10. So I think that could improve. Um, The third on my list, depending on who's here, it's going to be between Jabari and Kevin Porter Jr. I want there to be a world where Kevin Porter's talents are tapped into. And I hope that whoever they bring in as a coach has the cachet and the structure to be able to maximize KPJ. Like y'all listen to me. KPJ is a talented basketball player. And it takes a special type of leader to be able to get through to those type of guys that are kind of stuck in their ways to make them fit into the construct of a team. And if you can do that, then you will basically unlock new levels of talent on your team. If he's, if the coach comes in and allows him to buy in, I think he has to be third at this moment in time, um, because I think he brings a lot to the table with his size, his frame, his skill set, his shooting. Um, It's just for him, everything is mental and uh, accountability. If if they can do that, then I think that he is going to be that, uh, a, a leader on the team, a guy that can close out a lot of the games. Um, he's a bigger guard. He can guard bigger guards. I think that's important. Uh, then, fourth, there's going to be Jabari. Um, I still think Jabari's a couple years away from really being impactful as far as uh, lending to just overall winning. Um, I know he's going to have a big leap this coming summer, but his issues are going to be really strength based. Um, as a 19 year old, you know, there's only so much you could do in the position where you're banging against bigger guys. Um, I think give him a couple years. Honestly, he has he probably has the highest physical upside of everybody on the roster. Uh Jabari does. And but we'll see where he's at in a few years. And then last on that list, um, the fifth spot, just based on the young core, I will probably have to give that to um Kenya Martin Jr. Uh and I'm not gonna say Tari just yet. Tari is, is a is in a KPJ role for me, meaning that he also needs a coach that can kind of refine him more. I love what he does. I know you love Tari um, as, as a prospect. I do as well. I think that his impact is going to be felt a couple years from now, too, when we're in those playoff situations. I think him and Jabari in the future as a duo on defense is going to be scary for the league. Um, and that's something I'm seeing. I and mean, The team may not even look the same, but Jabari and Tari as a wing duo is going to be something. Y'all just mark my words on that. But um, I think KJ um, on a, uh, as a veteran, this dude has said all the right things throughout this season. Every quote that you need for every situation, he's said all the things you need to hear. I think he is a steadying force on the team. I think he's a leader. I think he's a guy that keeps the ball moving. I think he's a pr- decent defender, decent to, to good defender. Um, he adds a lot of different elements, and he's just a high IQ player, and I think we need that next year as we're trying to win. So those are my top five. It's going to be Jalen, Shangoon, Kevin Porter, Jabari, and KJ.
0: Yeah, I think Jabari could quickly move up next year. The thing that is the X factor for him is if he just starts hitting his jump shots. And we've talked about him not getting the shots maybe where he should be getting shots at or him knowing where he's getting his shots from. If you brought in a new coach and he started getting shots where he knew he would, he was getting from, from them from and he starts making the shots that he should be able to make. I mean, it's just baffling to me. It's, you know, I figured there would be a little bit of a curve trying to get him up to NBA three-point range, especially, you know, those uh, those uh three-pointers that are out at the angle up high. But I didn't feel like it was going to be at all a stretch for him to be a, an incredible mid-range jump shooter in the NBA right off the bat. I mean, that's what he was doing in college. And, you know, those would be shorter shots than three-point range in the NCAA. And I just think that, When I factor in his defense and what he brings to the table there and how far behind and how pathetic Jalen Green's defense is right now and where Jabari's is already, if he takes a jump and he gets into the weight room and the shots start falling down and you get a new coach, you could see a major jump. And let me tell you, Frank, if he starts hitting jump shots, he can get points whenever, wherever. Jalen has to work his tail off and he still can't figure out how to, you know, maybe make those a little bit easier and he's not good on creating jump shots and making those jump shots that he creates. He's still not good at uh, anything where he's got to take a couple of bounces and pull up. Whereas once I think it happens for Jabari and I I just have to think it will, then you can't stop him because there's nobody that is going to be able to block that shot. So he's going to have easy, shots that Jalen just doesn't get Jalen's got to have to work way harder for those and defensively there's no there's no way Jalen's ever going to get to the defense of Jabari because of Jabari's height and length and you know the things that he has physically that Jalen just doesn't so if he makes a jump next year and you know you hope that he will you could really see Jalen moving up and you know I, I I don't know if Shane Goon doesn't have another jump to make, you know, with an off season where he's not playing Euro ball and he gets in the gym and really builds up. And the thing is, Frank, we're starting to see things he's incorporating that we haven't seen before. He's starting to hit those mid range jumpers and the three point shot is looking smoother. And Oh my goodness. Like if that stuff starts happening more frequently and he gets more confident and all that, and he doesn't have a coaching staff that I'm wondering if they're limiting him taking the three point shots, and they just allow him to do that whenever he wants to. Y- you could see, you know, him get e- even better, you know, even make a bigger jump. And he has made the biggest jump of all the young guys this year by far. Yeah, he definitely has. And to, you know, I'm going to point uh, touch
1: on the Jabari point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the reason I I, I don't think Jabari. Jabari would make that huge of a leap because um he still has also a lot on his defense um adjusting to the n b a schemes and things like that now obviously, when it comes to just raw effort and being the physical tools to play good defense, especially on the perimeter um I think he's probably our best he might be the best perimeter defender right now on the team um honestly, just based on his physical profile and the uh, the ability that he gives on that end um I just think that his game is is such a it requires so much te- technique to be what he needs to be especially scoring from that mid-to-high post where his footwork is going to have to improve dramatically um you see a lot of times when he takes those jumpers uh, he's letting smaller players really get under him and he has to take these exaggerated fadeaways where he's like dude you're you're 6'11 you don't have to do that um but that's because he doesn't really have the requisite footwork yet um so for him Getting in the gym, um, working on his strength, as you pointed out, working on just his basketball game, being comfortable putting the ball on the ground as he's showing flashes of, being comfortable um, taking balanced shots. Um, being having multiple um, different tools at your disposal, whether it's a turnaround or a, um, a fade away or a hook shot or float or floater, different things that you can do in the paint. Um, I think he's going to have more time to experiment with that next year as well. I really see his jump come in the year after next. But like you, I believe that he has the highest upside on the team. I mean, this dude has the potential to be a two way star. Um, you know, I can't say that about Jalen or Shangun even um, as good as they are, Jabari can be a guy that averages 20-some points a game and is your best defender on the team. And to me, what that sounds like is a guy that can lead a team to a championship. Um, and so that's very important to keep an eye on. Well, Shane Goon, yeah, I mean, to me, people are looking at a 20-year-old and are uh, com- comparing him to all these old guys like uh, Joe Kitsch and, and Sabonis and not remembering that these dudes came in much later um, twenty-two, twenty-one years old, and he came in at nineteen years old. So they have a two-year head start on their rookie and sophomore seasons than he did. And he's already, um, you know, to me, surpassed a bonus on the on the development track. And uh, you know, S- uh, Jokic at twenty-one or twenty-two years old is what he's being tracked with right now. I want to see Shangun at twenty-two. You know, when he's twenty-two, that's two more summers, uh, in the weight room people are acting like the dude's body isn't going to change like everybody else's body does. You look at a lot of these guys when they come in as rookies. Hell, go look at Sabonis as a rookie. The dude was just uh, skinny and like with no muscle definition. And you could see how he's built up his body over the years. And the invert for Jokic, Jokic came in chubby. And over the years, he's leaned out. Um, not, you know, the greatest looking athlete in the world, but at least you can tell that he's really t- taking pride in getting his body ready to be the MVP that he is. So I, I'm i going to grant Alpi the same assumption I'm giving to Jabari and Jalen that physically – He's going to turn from a child to a man. The dude like you, like Rob, you remember when you were 19, there's a difference in your body when you're 19 and when you're 25 years old and you're, you know, you're a grown man or growing into being a man. So well, not we, me,
0: unfortunately, there wasn't Yeah, <laughs> your body's the same.
1: <laughs> but assuming a, a regular human being, their growth patterns, uh, LP is going to be fine. Um, I think physically he's going to develop. Like we talked about the defense and the IQ he's going to know where to be. Uh, he's going to get stronger. He's already punishing grown men. We see him night after night putting these centers under the basket, big and small and tall. This is however they come, he punishes them. How does him lift not him getting to lift weights for 2 3 more summers not impact that? So I think he has a lead. There's so much to his game he can add. I see the little shot put floaters he's done. Um I want to see a consistent mid-range jumper because that's going to uh, really for those really go birds that like to camp in a paint when him and Jalen or whoever the guard is get into that um, pick and roll action where he could just pop out and just punish them for sagging off, trying to stop uh, the rim attack that opens up another world. And when you get into, you know, him being able to shoot, it opens up another playmaking world of drawing out uh, defenders and having our guys cut behind that. So I don't, you know, I'm not sure where the the coaching staff is or the front office is on Shane Goon. Honestly, he's the best thing they have going because what he brings to the table is attractive to other players. We've heard multiple NBA players, Anthony Edwards multiple times now, praise Shangun. Anthony Edwards said that they had to game plan for Shangoon the uh I think three games ago when we played him, that the team, their job was to stop him. They um came out the last game. He said that dude is really, really good. You've seen him embracing him after the game, um, this last game that we had. We've heard players, uh Batoon uh, the MVP himself, Jokic, just people around the league just speak on it. And the national media now has caught wind of his game, and the comparisons are going crazy. With the you know the, the all the guys that they think he could be or could not be, it, the Rockets would be it would be almost borderline idiotic for them to look at this and say, "No, nah, we're good. We're just going to keep you know doing what we're doing." So the pressure is on them. I, I'm sure they didn't want this to be the outcome that they wanted. The way it's looking like, it seems like they're being forced. Um, And almost shamed into being competent. And I love it. So we're going to see, I think, um, what comes out with Kevin Porter and how the season ends is going to be telling for me. I'm putting a lot on this trade deadline with Eric Gordon and that situation and them trying to at least bring some players in that can help them prepare for next year as they're still losing and then um, how they play going forward and some of the roster decisions.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm not expecting much from the Eric Gordon trade deadline. I figure we're just going to keep him for the next 10 right. years. And he's going to not only <laughs> retire a rocket, but he's going to move up to uh, the, our evaluator when he's done. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a 72.6% chance the Rockets don't land Scoot Henderson or Wemby But just out of curiosity, Frank, if they did land one of them, and, and I know I've ta- talked to you a little bit about this, I'm interested who impacts the Rockets' win total more next year not down the road scoot or Wemby I would say Wemby and this is really a a flip
1: for 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 me because I would say my brain was poisoned by the basketball I was seeing with the team Um, I was like man we need a guard really really bad but to me the combination of Alperin and a ball handler makes a playmaker and to me you could um, have that as your offense, and then just have a a serviceable point guard as your backup to facilitate in the non-Shangun minutes or non shangoon and whoever minutes. Um, I think um, Scoot is going to be a great player, but at the end of the day, um, you know, if he's still a small guard, and it's really hard for, for me to see a small guard impact in winning off the jump. You know he's a rookie, he's, he's young, he's going to have to learn the NBA. teams are going to pick on him. uh they're going to switch out on him and force him to guard bigger players. I don't see that as as an effective method now, Victor, on the other hand, the reason I think him he's not a perfect fit either, and I think people are are a bit um in my evaluation, I think they're too too high on Wembayama as like this fix it all prospect. I think he's going to have holes in his game in the at the NBA level, particularly strength. And I think we're going to see that. You're going to see he's going to get exploded in that until he catches up in a few years. Um, but what he brings to me is a complementary piece to our front court with Alperin and, and Jabari um, because he can play. I would put, you know, people are saying putting him at the three. And the I would put Al, Alperin is still my five. He's He's the five because I want him in the center making those calls. As I pointed out before, he's probably the smartest guy on the team. I want that guy to to navigate all the talented pieces around him. I want. Um, I don't want when at the three, like I've heard, because that's dumb. Why would you put a guy that has one of the uh, potential to be one of the greatest rim protectors on the perimeter? I would put him at the four and have him free roam and be that weak side help. And anything that gets by Alperin, Victor, clean it up. And that's his job. And if we got to give up a three for that, I'll trust Jabari and the other Antari to rotate and use their length to be able to cover up for that. And that's the vision that I see um, if we're blessed enough to get Victor Wambiyama. So I think in that scenario, you're supplementing for a weakness of Alperin in that rim protection. At the same time, you're getting all world talent that could also be a part of a potent offense. And if if we did uh, land Wemby, I'm shifting if I was the Rockets. I'm shifting everything to a front court. I'm going old school twin towers, triplet towers with Jabari, if you want to call it that. We're building around the front court two big men that are dynamic on, on, on different aspects of the game. And I'm leaning fully into that and Jalen and whoever else can just be along for the ride as uh, some championship uh, pieces. Um, but yeah, if you get a Wemby and Alper Changun, it'll be unfair for the NBA, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. It seems like if Scoot comes in, your offense gets affected way more. And if Wemby comes in, it's your defense. Now this is in a vacuum because we assume they're going to go out and try to add veterans at other positions. And without knowing which veterans you would add, depending on who you got among those two guys. And like I said, I, I think there's still a, like a 70 plus percent chance. I mean, there is a 70 plus percent chance you're not getting those guys. So don't count on it, but <laughs> I'm just saying if, if it happens, it, it's, it's an interesting, you know, thought prospect of, you know, which guy's going to make or could make more impact.
1: Yeah. What, what I would hate is, Let's say we did get, um, we did get uh, Wembyama. Like, if if we have, if like, that's why I'm putting so much on this last stretch of games. If if we had a talent like that, are we going to be that rigid that we're still going to let him be a, a rim runner for Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green? and have him just catch lobs and stuff like that. If that was the case, I think the NBA should sanction the Rockets and just take away uh, the franchise from us. Because if, if you land Wemby and you're not going to use him um, to the fullest of his uh, his uh, capabilities, then um, I just don't see why we should even have a, a basketball franchise. Now, maybe it's, it's that they're low on Alperin, so they're not um, ready to lean into him fully. Um, Like they would if they had a Wemby, maybe that's the case. And maybe that, that, that makes sense uh, for them in, in right now. But um, to me, you have to show more flexibility
0: and being able to maximize your talent. One of the things that, but um, Frank, uh, if they don't do Wemby, right. He will speak up. His English is great. It is not like Shangoon, who is still trying to learn English. You will hear him speak and Jalen, you know, he stands quietly in the corner a lot he's not vocal if if you tell Wemby this is how we're going to play you and he doesn't like it unlike those other guys he's going to speak and he's going to have cachet because he's coming in with all the frills and all the excitement and and he knows who he is so i i don't think they could get away with it and they would know that
1: i think they would if he came they would have to almost clean house like because to me, I don't think Steven Silas is the coach that you want to pair up with a Wimbyama. Like, I would almost automatically have to go get a veteran coach that has coached star players before because that's a recipe for disaster to having um, what we're doing now with a talent like that because the spotlight that the NBA is going to place on us I don't think is going to be bearable for anything. I mean, they're going to have to – I mean, can you imagine if we were the another bottom, like, three team again next year for the fourth year in a row – with the Victor Wimby, I'm on the roster, with basically you would have three top three picks on your roster. This is uncharted waters that we're about to get into, uh, Rockets fans. Um, I, you know, historically, usually uh, Jabari and Jalen are enough to get you out the gutters. That's just NBA history. You get two of those guys, you're ready to roll. People always want to cite the um, the the process as the standard of a re- uh, that with what we're doing with the Sixers. Um, when Joel Embiid came into the game, they were winning. And the fact that he was hurt was the reason that that process was extended. So to me, either one, um, Jalen and Jabari are going to be bust, and that's why that we we can still be a bad team going forward. Or two, our development um, process is just broken, and we're actually failing these players. Um, so either either one, um, is, you know, that's not a great option. But, you know, this season, is, it is what it is. And um, we understand the the mission at hand. If they do get a Victor Wambiyama, like you can't afford to be incompetent um, because if they are, then it's, I think this franchise really has no hope because three top three picks in three consecutive years is, is literally never, I don't think that's ever happened in the NBA history from a team that remains bottom uh, bottom five. So, and this it goes back to like, what what are we doing to prepare for that world where we want to be good again? And that's where I, I kind of get lost in the translate. Like, you know what's ahead. You know what the task is going to be at hand. But you've set yourself up in such a way that you have to do this Hercul- Herculean, like, transformation as a franchise in order to not look like the worst thing ever. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a real interesting uh, uh, rest of season, summer, free agency, preseason. And next year is going to be just crazy. And I- I'm ready for it.
0: I want to just connect what we just talked about to this question, because this is a big one. Unless the Rockets land a top four lottery pick next year, they're handing their 2024 first round pick to the Thunder as the fans know, which begs the question, do you see any realistic scenario where the Rockets make the playoffs next year? And this could be a five second. No Frank from you, from you, but (laughs) just so people understand what I'm saying, not just the play-in game, but the playoffs. Because if you don't make the playoffs, it might mean you're just handing that lottery. You are handing that lottery pick to the Thunder. And you might need to win. I- I'm going to put it at a maybe 30 more games next year. 30 more games, Frank. No, I'm going to keep it.
1: Yeah, I don't think we can make the playoffs. We haven't shown the um, progression that you want to see. I like what I'm seeing from Orlando. I don't care if they end up with the with the same record as us. As a basketball watcher and somebody that really takes pride in understanding the game, um, we haven't shown the seeds of a team that's ready to compete at that level. Um, so, no, I don't think so. I think that that we might as well just – that pick is gone. That's where I'm at. That pick is gone. So you might as well just – and I, the Rockets might as well just assume the pick is gone and just start planning around being a maybe a bottom – Eight team next year instead of a bottom three, um, that'll be progression for us. I think this rebuild is, is going to go on for a couple more years before we can see um, the fruits of it, which is okay. But you know, they could have done better. Uh, they could have done much better.
0: And let me just tell people out there that are thinking, "Well, we're going to get Wemby, and then we're getting James Harden, and then it's all fixed." And you know, James is going to do his usual thing. James is not the old James. James is going to carry in. Terrible defense. You're now going to have a James Harden, Jalen Green defensive backcourt with a bunch of guys, and Shane Goon, who's not a good defensive player, and Wemby, who's a rookie center, and you as good as you think Wemby's going to be, there ain't rookie centers that come in and just all of a sudden start playing incredible defense and just, you know, making up for three terrible guys that you're going to have out there defensively. And I I don't mean to be mean to Shane Goon. I mean, he's not terrible, but I'm just saying, you're going to have three below-average guys. Two of them, I think, are just flat-out bad. And all that's going to happen with Wemby in the middle, and that's going to change everything? I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, to me, we watch, like, Rudy Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year, and he gets exploited. Wemby will get exploited. They're, I mean, it doesn't matter how tall you are in the NBA, you know, he's like, I, I think people are really, really, I, I love his overall talent. And I think he's a transformational player, but um, uh, the the takes I've seen on Wemby are just crazy to me. Like you are coming into the NBA against a bunch of great athletes and he's going to have to adjust and teams and coaches are going to find ways to exploit his weaknesses. So I don't think he's a fix all. I think he needs to be developed like Jabari and Jalen and uh, Cade and all these young guys that come into the NBA are going to be like, and, Yeah, so, no, I don't see us making the the playoffs. I don't think there's enough talent on our roster to replace a team that is already on the path to being a playoff. I don't think we're going to be better than the Pelicans or OKC or Denver or um, Golden State, you know, or any of the the Clippers. Uh, Go on and on and on for the top, you know, 9, 10, 11 teams on there. In order to make the playoffs, you have to replace somebody. And we just don't have the guys to do it right now. And I think we're a couple years away, maybe two years. I think after not this coming season, the one after that is here, we're going to see the leap for the team into being a quasi contender. That's, that's my vision.
0: The only thing that may change it is if you consolidate and you trade a couple of your young guys that might have huge potential, but you go for a sure thing vet with those guys. And and that's the, the only way you do it. And that, that would mean, you're landing a Scoot or a Wemby or something like that. You consolidate a couple of guys, mm-hmm. you pick up a, a, a like a, a James Harden type veteran or something like that, then maybe you could do it. But I mean, th- 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 you're going to have uh, a lot of bounces and a lot of breaks. Yeah, and that. they would
1: have to clear out the, the half the roster. I mean, those wastes, the Boban spots, the Garrison Matthews spots, the Knicks spots of the world, the Garuba spots, the Jacob, all that. If you want to make the playoffs, you probably replace them with vets. Um, I mean, you're going to need about probably trade, move out, move away from about six to eight guys on, in my opinion, six guys, at least just to replace with serviceable NBA players that can keep your offense and defense floating while, you know, while the starters are out. So I don't I to me at this point, the damn the OKC picks there, it's gone. You might as well take the loss to, you know, egg on your face and just move on and just keep the rebuild and hopefully try to make some smart moves and progress onward with these young guys and try to consolidate some of the later peripheral players to bring in more supplemental players to, um, to, to help the the core pieces that you think are going to be your stars.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if it's that bad where you got to get rid of, some of those guys are just going to be off just by numbers, but I, I feel like you add a Wemby and then you add a couple of veterans, all of a sudden your bench is, Guys like Kenyon Martin, Jayshon Tate, you know Tari Eason. You 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 have a lot of good role players on this team as it stands that could come off the bench. So you're you you might be eight or nine deep. I'm not saying those guys are ready to you know battle for a championship, but they might be able to win you a bunch more games with them being off the bench as opposed to starters. And then you're you're getting rid of some of that. You're not playing that you know, that bottom trash that the, the Rockets have been forced to play a lot, the Garubas and the Nixes and the Tai Ties and the Garrison Matthews and all of those guys, those guys get cleared out a little bit when you add in more players. You know, the more good players that you have in your rotation and the less bad players that you have in your rotation, it's just what happens. Like, you, you get quality in every spot in the rotation. All of a sudden, a lot of stuff gets cleaned up. You see it all the time.
1: Yep, and, I, you know, it'll just be – Based on who they get, um, I just think that they, we have a lot of low impact players, Um, but you know, those roster spots that are given to like the Knicks and whatnot. um, Yeah. Those could easily be be replaced with actual NBA players and, and that could, you know, be able to come in and make an impact whether starting or off the bench. And even some of the guys we love, if you're going to build a playoff team, maybe um, Garuba doesn't see any minutes at all because He's just not that good. Or maybe, um, you know, guys like Tate or or KJ see limited minutes because they're just not that good uh, compared to some of the uh, higher-end talent you could bring in. Uh, and I'm open to that because that's how the NBA is. You know, um, it's a good exercise to see is where our guys fit in around the league. If you ask yourself, would this player, what would kind of minutes would they get like on Boston or in Miami or somewhere like that? Well, maybe not Miami. They play everybody. Uh, but some of the teams that are contenders what type of minutes would our would a Garuba get in Boston? What type of minutes would Garuba get if he was playing like in you know in Denver or somewhere like that? And to me, I just don't see them as getting any at all. So that's why I meant by just kind of moving on from them.
0: Yeah, and if you get a Wemby and a Harden, and you add one more vet into the rotation, we're talking about moving Kevin Porter to the bench. We're talking about. Maybe Javari is on the bench you know it, it 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 could be some really good talent coming off the bench at that point um and and you know the, those guys have to make a step still just being a 15 20 minute a guy if you're going to be a playoff team, but yeah, all of a sudden it, it changes a lot of different things if you get players that are better than them and you push all of these guys that we have uh either middling starters or bench guys that are our high end bench guys all of a sudden they're getting you know 15 20 yeah. minutes a yeah. night it make, makes makes yeah. a big difference
1: and none of none of our our rookies deserve to start just because the reason they're starting because our team is just horrible and it's if this was uh golden state and they would just be like kaminga you would play every other five games kaminga is just as high of, you know he's a top 10 pick and he gets to play barely because he's on their warriors and it makes sense you know if we had a hall of fame Uh, players on our on our court then yeah Jalen should probably come off the bench and that's perfectly fine and I'm okay with if you get better players then nobody should raise an eye at if Jabari has to come off the bench because on a regular team that's really
0: trying to win games he probably doesn't see that many minutes you still have all those nets picks too if you land one of the big fish you can you can flip that for something You know, I don't know what it's going to be worth because the Nets continue not to make that drop that the Rockets were hoping, but you have those picks to trade, even though you don't have your own picks to trade for the next three years.
1: Yep. And yeah, those net picks, uh, there's a chance they turn into nothing because uh, as we're seeing, the Nets are competent. They actually fixed their (laughs) situation, which sucks for us. Uh, The swap next year is useless. Um, So you're looking at two more swaps and I think two more picks after that. And um, depending on how KD and Kyrie um, age out and if they do uh, leave what they get back from there, those may also just be maybe late or mid lottery, um, you know, maybe t- a picks in the teens. And then the, it begs the question,
0: is that what what James Harden was worth? Well, um, you so, want to get rid of them now because yeah, if you I don't agree. get rid of them now, you, you, they lose value with every year you wait. You yeah, know,
1: you don't. The, cl- the, the close every year we get closer to them, they're more defined, and if they're more defined assets, then the value will go down. I think the uh, uh, uncertain insert- uncertainty or whatever the word is uh, of uncertainty of of what they are is part of the value in them because there's the chances of the Nets just being a bottom team and. Then you'll be like a situation where you are with the Clippers and OKC right now, where I've heard rumors of them blowing up, and OKC is just waiting on them. Um, but if if we find out like OKD okay, is there for the long haul, Kyrie's there, and maybe they get lucky, and you know a guy that wants to win a ring goes there, and they do this next year, and yeah, those picks are looking terrible. So I would cash in at least, if not all of them, some of them to to move up. My my thing my thing is that if we don't get a top three pick. I think we should trade out of, out of that, um, that, that pick and uh, maybe package it with some of the future picks and try to get, go get a go, uh, big fish hunting like Daryl Morey would say. So um, we'll see what they do with that. I don't think we need to add another guy to the team that we need to develop for another three or four years. Um, it's just we have so many of those guys on the roster already. I think they need to start trying to define who their core piece is going to be. Not the pieces, but that. Who's our SGA? And I'm not sure if we have that player on the team right now. Um, I know people are really, I'm really on Jalen Green, but he's a two guard and that position really takes a a couple of years before it impacts winning in a serious way. And if he's not going to be a two-way player, he's never going to really fully impact winning as much as we want him to. Um, If he's just a scorer, then that's so limiting as a star player to just be a bucket, Um, unless he's going to be one of the most efficient and greatest scorers in history or in this modern era. Um, just, you know, being able to score buckets, you know, he, you have guys that can do that all around the league. His defense is going to be very important. If he can raise up to that level where he's a two-way player, then we're talking, but, um, Until then, I still think they need to define who the alpha is on the team um, that's going to be the guy that, you know, is going to kind of take them to that next level. Maybe it's Yama, Maybe we get him in Scoot Henderson. Maybe it's where we draft. Maybe it's a free agent that we pick up or a trade. But um, I still think we're searching. Maybe it is Jalen. Maybe it's Alperin. We just don't know yet, though. And for a team that's trying to contend and take that next lead to the playoffs, it's almost prerequisite you have to define that. The Memphis did it with John Morant. The Golden State with Steph um it's uh sgas you're seeing it right now happening with him Paolo is going to be that guy for orlando um detroit hope hopes it's cade um but you need to kind of know that guy so you can build a roster around them and facilitate everything to fit their needs so they can help you uh, win a championship and i feel like we haven't reached that point yet and it's a lot of default is on ours because we've been kind of catering to the KPJ and Jalen backcourt
0: what's the latest on rockets job shop
1: you got any new videos Uh, Yeah, I just dropped a video on the on the game, the second Timberwolves game, um, just kind of showing how Jalen's and outpiece chemistry is really impacting, um, you know, his development, Uh, the scoring output that he had, you know, it's a lot of it, those those buckets were off of shang screens and actions that they ran together. So, um, you know, they really work well. So you guys can check out that video. It's called, um, you know, uh, Jalen Green Drops 42 and Rockets Win. So um, check it out. Uh, It's a great breakdown. I've been doing those breakdowns in a while. So you can uh, hit up the channel and subscribe. And, uh, you know, we do the post-game live streams and uh, everything else in between. All right. I'm going to get you out of
0: here. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next week.
1: Appreciate you, man. It's a fun conversation.
0: You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.